Deion Sanders' appearance at the HBCU Mega Camp sends a very clear message from HBCU coaches to HBCU fans. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. If you were wondering why I was doing a little bit of a dance, not too much because I ain't finna embarrass myself on camera, but I was doing a little bit of a dance because for finally the first time in months, I'm actually able to hear my theme music. When I say play my music, I get to actually hear it while I'm recording. So I'm very excited for that. We have some new things on the way as well. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, it doesn't mean that the journey's over. Not at all. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode starts off with a very clear message from HBCU coaches. And trust me, I hear you loud and clear. And it ends with FAMU's baseball team who played two games in the NCAA regionals, but they only played well on one side in each of those games. In the middle of these two topics, we're going to discuss Fayetteville State because in 2023, they're going to need to do a full overhaul of their pass rush. But let's get into the big one. Let's get into the big name, right? Deion Sanders, in his appearance at the HBCU Mega Camp, sent a very clear message, to me at least, from the HBCU coaches. They don't care. Point blank, period. They don't care. You might care. We might care. Fans might care about how everything went down. But largely, the coaches couldn't care less. That's what it, that's what it told me. It said, you know what? I understand how you left, but we don't really hold any bad blood to him. The people who had real relationships with Deion Sanders seem to not be holding any bad blood with them. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't like the way that things have gone down. I don't like the Sanders versus HBCUs that has been coming from both the family or mostly the family. I just not really, I don't really care because to me, the fans have reacted to things. So I'm not really a fan of how things have transpired since Coach Prime decided to leave Jackson State. I'm not. But I'm not about to hold anybody else to that standard any longer because they have already clearly shown me that they could care less about all of that and that they don't have any issues. And why do I say this? Because Coach McDowell invites Deion Sanders to the HBCU Mega Camp. A lot of people question why. Why would you want him even in an HBCU space? And trust and believe, I completely understand that. I think it's a little bit odd as well, personally. I think it's a little bit odd that he's there, but he's there. Okay, so now let's try to make sense of his presence. So he invites him out there to the HBCU Mega Camp, and, De and this is what he said about Dion. It's always great to see a Hall of Famer continue to support HBCUs and camps 
in general. Okay. I wouldn't even have given them the chance to support HBC. I wouldn't even have given him the platform to do all of that. For me, it kind of made that about Deion Sanders being there, at least media-wise. And I know maybe that got more media attention. Maybe it brought more kids out. I don't, I don't know. But to me, it told me that they say he's welcomed in HBCU spaces still. Now, not in every single HBCU space, uh, space but he's not going to be in the middle of the stands. He's not going to be in the middle of the stands with at Joe Blow 27-3. He's not going to be, oh, wow. I, I just happened to say 27-3. I should have said 28-3 and really brought the Saints out of me. I really should have done that. Yeah, he's not going to be on there with Atlanta Falcon fan 28-3, but he's welcoming to this camp. That's one person, Coach McDowell. I seen the way that Dion interacted with Willie Simmons. They seemed like they was catching up, like they was having a good time. Like, man, it's good to see you. He seemed like he caught up with somebody he had been missing for a while on both sides, right? The, 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 the hug, the handshake, the, the laugh, it didn't feel fake. It all felt genuine. And when I saw Coach McKinney, Texas Southern head coach, kind of moseying his way on there, kind of tiptoeing over there towards Prime, didn't seem like he had any problem with Dion. And I don't criticize any of these gentlemen for not having a problem with Dion. I don't criticize any HBCU fan who doesn't have a problem with Dion. Quite frankly, at this point, I'm so indifferent, I could care less anymore. I have my issues with the way things happened, with the way that things transpired. But I've been, I think there's probably been two to three Dion Sanders topics that have bubbled up in Twitter sphere and bubbled up in conversation that I completely avoided because I just don't see the value in continuing to speak on him. I spoke on it this time because I thought this was something that was interesting and I decided to make the choice to do it. And the choice was, you need to understand that they are going to welcome him. You don't need to see it again. Don't get up in arms again. If you see Deion Sanders at any other HBCU event, don't be surprised. You can feel the way you feel about it. But just know it could happen. And you might have the same reaction again. I, for one, won't. I, for one, won't. Now, would I have invited him? No. But not for the reason that you might have thought. I wouldn't have invited him. Because, A... Not an HBCU coach. And B, when you was an HBCU coach, you were still in my recruits. And you're not about to come to my HBCU camp when you're not an HBCU coach and steal my potential HBCU recruits. No, sir. No, sir. Who was out recruiting Deion Sanders when Deion Sanders was at Jackson State? Who? Let me know. It wasn't Coach McDowell. It wasn't that. I'll tell you that. It wasn't Coach McKinney. It wasn't. He was the best recruiter in, in the SWAC. And I'm not going to go through all of the qualifications, but let's be very real. He was the best recruiter in the SWAC because of who he was as a person, the magnetic personality that he comes with. That's still there in Colorado. And he's st it's still going to be there when you come to my camp. So no, you're not invited to my camp, Mr. Outrecruit Me for two years. No, you're not. I'm sorry. Because you ain't, you ain't finna do I'm just telling you right now, he ain't finna do that to me. And maybe it's going to bring more guys on there, but a lot of the players who are like, oh, I can go to Colorado. Now I got Colorado behind me. I got this P5 offer. That's a lot to entice an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, 19-year-old kid with. And I don't know if there might have been some younger kids there too. That's a lot to entice them with. Maybe I'm running from competition. I'm scary. That made me scary. That made me a little, that made me afraid. I probably sound scary, huh? Oh, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm just telling you, it wouldn't have been me. It would not have been me, but they sent the message, the embrace. I don't think T.C. Taylor is denying Deion Sanders. I don't. 
from what I see, Willie Simmons isn't denying. Uh, Willie Simmons isn't denying Deion Sanders. Coach McDowell invited him. Coach McKinney seemed to welcome to walk over there and say, what's up, catch up. All of these things didn't feel fabricated. They didn't feel like show because they knew cameras were out there. It felt like people just operating with the fact that, all right, he's not the Jackson State head coach anymore. Things happen. It's okay. It's okay. It happens. It, it, whatever. And if they're going to act that way, I will not be surprised any longer, and they're entitled to that. And honestly, I swear, if any Deion Sanders fan comes in there, what they call them, primates, if any of them come in here and try to say, oh, I'm sensitive, and, and try to point out no brother or sister, I am simply making an observation that people are welcoming him into HBCU spaces. I haven't even told you how I feel about it personally, so let's not make it seem like I did. Now, going forward, Fayetteville State, they lost yet another pass rusher, and with the loss of Cam Morrell into the transfer portal, no, he hasn't left yet, but he's in the transfer portal, it looks like Fayetteville State is going to need to have a complete pass rushing overhaul going into next season, and we'll dive into what that looks like and why that's the case as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, it's 1-1, baby. I had this all wrapped up and ready, but I decided to wait until after the game to record it. It's 1-1, baby. It's Miami. We going back to South Beach. Miami, Denver, 1-1. What's going to happen in the next two games? What's going to happen in the next two games? How are we going to be when we go back to Denver the next time? I'm excited. I had this feeling. I always said, I think it's going to go six. Personally, I think it's going to go six. I don't even think we're going to see a gentleman sweep. But I'll tell you this right now, we're going to have a series. And if that's the most boring series that's going to be in NBA Finals history, I'll take games like this or last night, any night. Best believe that. So go ahead and put some money down on it at FanDuel.com. You have some things like MVP, over-under, Point totals, all of those things are available at fanduel.com slash locked on. Because we're not going to have an episode tomorrow. It's going to be three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Wednesday's episode, we'll be discussing why I believe that Eric Phoenix's transfer destination was really confusing. I was kind of confused by the fact that he went to Murray State. But right now, we're wrapping with Fayetteville State. We're wrapping with the CIAA champions, right? Not the not the SEAC champions or their quarterback, but the CIAA champions and the fact that the players who are going to be getting the quarterback, yeah, you're going to have to replace them. The pass rush is in need of a drastic overhaul because Cam Morrell has just entered the transfer portal. Now, this is a tough one. This is a tough loss, and this is, of course, assuming that he actually does decide to leave in the portal. I know a lot of people make a thing about did he really leave if he entered the portal? Like, yeah, he did. He did. He He's in the portal, bro. He's in the portal. He's most likely leaving unless something else happens. So I'll illustrate how successful they And I'm sorry if you're here for the Broncos. This might be a painful memory for you. But I do need to paint the picture of just how drastic this loss really is for Fayetteville State. So last year, Fayetteville State was the top defense in the CIAA as far as point totals. They were second in yards. But when you look at those yards and when you really look at those point totals too, 
a lot of that comes from their pass defense. It's the fact that their pass defense was elite. The rush defense, middle of the pack, they were like number six. But when you look at the pass defense, numero uno in yards, they were the only team to allow single-digit touchdowns through the air. So when you look at what they were able to accomplish on defense, it's easy to say the strength of their team was on the was on the uh, was on the pass defense side of things. So not only that, because I know that pass defense is kind of secondary defensive line working in concert. You know, that's kind of how we look at it. Sorry for the middle groups. I'm a linebacker, but you know, for the most part, when we're viewing this, we're looking at pass rush and coverage ability. So secondary and defensive line mixed in with some, you know, even though linebackers do both of those, that's not really who we're looking at first. My thing is Fayetteville State had the most sacks in the CIAA. So we're going to look at the defensive line and the pass rush, not only because that's where the departure comes from, but also because that's where the most outstanding statistic comes from. They led the CIAA in sacks. You think that yardage didn't have to do with the fact that you're having a bunch of sacks? You think those low point totals didn't have to do with, a, you know, you having a lot of sacks? And not only that, when you break it down away from the team fabric of it and you actually get into the individualistic part of it, you have Cam Morrell, but then you also have Devin Cowan. Now, when you combine both of those, you have nine and a half and nine and a half. That's 19 sacks between the two. Both of those players individually were the leaders in the conference in sacks. If you lose the leader in the conference in sacks, you're like, dang, that's a tough blow. If you lose the other, if you just lose second place, that's a tough blow. But forget what they did on the conference level. Forget just how successfully they were rushing a passer compared to their other peers within the within the conference, right? We're not comparing them to a Bowie State. We're not comparing them to a Union. We're not comparing them to a Chowan. We're only going to compare Cam Morrell and Devin Cowan to their own teammates because I've said how successful they were. You can imagine how badly it feels to lose the two top sack artists in a conference. You can imagine that, but let's talk about what it meant for the team because you had 39 sacks on the season. They came up with 19 of it. That's nearly half of the sack production you had on the year. So just from a, from a percentage wise of what you're losing, this is a devastating loss. And you look at who else was doing it. You don't have a defensive end outside of those two who had more than one sack. You don't have another defensive player who has more than four sacks. This is going to be very difficult to replace. Now, of course, you're going to have some people who are already on the team. Could be some redshirt guys. Could be some guys who didn't get as many reps. But you're going to need to replace that in some facet because defensive end is a premier position because it's all about getting the quarterback when you're talking about pass rush. When you're just talking about pass defense in general, and that's the strength of Fayetteville State's defense last year. Of course, you could morph and, and do something else, of course. But either way, you're going to need defensive ends. You're going to need players to play off the end. And at some point, you're going to need to rush the passer. And who is it going to be? Time will tell. But you lose Cam Morrell, you lose Devin Cowan, who entered the transfer portal a week ago. You just lost 19 of your 39 sacks. That's something that should be pressing. I told you don't panic because you still have Morrell. Now you don't have either. You got to figure something out. You have to figure something out and speaking of figuring something out it didn't seem like fam you was able to figure it out they changed one side of the ball they changed one aspect of the game going into their second regional game however 
the strong suit actually fell off. So what was weak became strong and what was strong became weak. And we'll dive into why that was such an issue, which you can only imagine why that was such an issue as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. Fam, you just couldn't put it all together in the NCAA regionals, and that's why they're sitting at home right now. That's why they got eliminated in two games. There was a chance. These were close games, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It's not like they just got blown out, and I think a lot of people probably expected them to just get blown out when they're going against Florida and then they're going against Connecticut. But that wasn't the case. The reason that they got swept is that they could not put together a complete game on one game. Great defense on the other game. Pretty good offense, but never did those two aspects mesh, which means you didn't play a complete game. And when you're playing against opponents that you're playing against, you need to have a complete game. I don't want to make it seem like it was a bunch of unforced errors. Kudos to Connecticut, uh, to the Huskies, uh, kudos to the Gators, right? But if you just combine those two aspects into one performance, you're, my, you're maybe talking about family you playing three games instead of two. If you're just saying, oh, that really good offense, that really good defense, let's put it together for one of the matchups. You're looking at the Rattlers pulling off an upset, but they weren't able to do that. They weren't able to do that. And I want to be clear, they're playing against high-level teams. There's no consolation prize in that. This ain't to make you feel good. You, you're sitting at home. Your season is over. There's no consolation in that. You're playing against the only consolation you might be able to find is the fact that you made it to the regionals. That might be what you actually find consolation in. But there's no consolation in, oh, I played all right. Nah, none of that, right? <laughs> but let's look at who they played against. And the, the reason I mentioned that they're playing high-level talent is because you can't have these type of matchups or these type of performances against high-level talent. You need to play complete ball games. The first game you're going against Florida and Florida is the number two team in the nation. And no one's giving you a chance to even have it close, but you end up losing only three zero. And when you look at how those runs were accumulated, because only fam, you scored them. I mean, only Florida scored them. You had two in the first inning. You don't give up another one into the bottom of the eighth. So you had pretty good defense in that game. Pitching working well. You're not even playing with your best pitcher. Like your best pitcher wasn't even playing that day. So to me, I feel like if you play that well, if you only allow Florida to have three runs, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You should be. But unfortunately, you couldn't score any runs. You couldn't score a single run. When you look at what Florida was able to do against their other opponents, no other opponent has held them to three or less in the regionals. That didn't that, that hasn't happened in the first time that family and Florida squared off in the regular season. Florida put up 17. So, yes, if you allow Florida only three runs, you're probably feeling pretty good. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Then you go to Connecticut and your pitching falls off. You allow nine runs, but you score six. Probably should have said it the other way. You score six, but you allow nine. Because your six runs are pretty futile when nine are being scored. It doesn't matter. So now your, your hitting is there, and we know that they've been a, a really good batting team. We know that they've been a pretty good batting team this year, especially when you're looking at the home run power, when you're looking at the, the doubles, right? Those are two things that have been some of the best in school history for them. That came alive in game two. 
But unfortunately, pitching wasn't there. So you allow nine runs. It's just tough. You know, I mean, I guess if you want consolation, you made it. But if you just would have put together half of that offensive performance with a strong pitching, if you would have put together just half of that pitching with a strong offensive performance, things could have been so much different. And I'm not saying that they would have made it past regionals. I don't freaking know. But I will say that you are probably talking about playing three games instead of two. I will say that for sure. But yeah, on tomorrow, or excuse me, on Wednesday's episode, and I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. But on Wednesday's episode, we should have an even newer format. Hopefully, I got to get some of these visuals up to date. No, I'm not the best tech savvy guy, but we should have something figured out for you by Wednesday. So we have a new looking podcast coming to you. And also, you'll be discussing, or we'll be discussing Eric Phoenix and his decision to transfer to Murray State. This one surprised me. This one surprised me. And I'll hear more about it on Wednesday's episode. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Here comes the next new part. Peace.